So all week long on our social media pages, we have been promoting the fact that there is a guest coming up that has a film that was one of the top-rated movies via Rotten Tomatoes of the year 2021. And here we are with that episode. The film is called Slacks. Technically, it premiered in 2020 in Canada at a film festival, but it was acquired by Shudder. Once again, here I am talking about Shudder on the podcast. It was acquired by Shudder in 2021 and popped up one night when I was watching it. And I remember I didn't get to actually click on it, you know, how with multiple streaming platforms to watch stuff on every night. I couldn't make up my mind, but I put slacks on the back burner. And it wasn't until a notable name in the horror genre tweeted about it, and I was like, oh yeah, I have to watch Slacks. Slacks on the Surface is a film about a killer pair of pants. So, of course, this is something that's kind of in my wheelhouse. An outrageous plot line, but has a very interesting commentary on something that is going on in this world in regards of, you know, who's out there making these products and getting them in stores. So once I finished watching the film after being absolutely in love with it about a month ago, I tracked down the director and got her on the show, and she was a real joy. For anybody who may have thought that I got the director of In the Heights or some big blockbuster or John Krasinski who made Quiet Place 2, I'm sorry, but getting through to their agent is a little bit hard. So, of course, I'm going to go with the indie filmmakers, the people making the small stuff but still matters on a grand scale. And Slacks was one of my favorite movies of this past year. And, again, if you're a Shudder subscriber, you haven't checked it out, check it out. If you're not a Shudder subscriber, get on that shit and check out Slacks. Spoiler warning for, like, the last 15 minutes of the show. Elza Kephart, the director of Slacks, and I do kind of dive into the twist that happens at the end of the film and what's kind of really going on in the movie. So, I mean, if you want to be spoiled, go right ahead. If not, go check out the movie again. So, without further ado, welcome to the basement, everybody. Elza Kephart, welcome to the basement. Tyler Geis's basement. That's my show, by the way. Uh, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Um, you are right now. I actually maybe should ask you this right before I hit record, but you are in Morocco right now. What you doing over there? Yeah, that's right. Uh, oh, and if there's noise, let me know, and I can put my earphones. You're good. You're good. You're good. I'm good. Yeah. Um, well, I, my boyfriend lives here. He's a, a tourist guide. And so we've decided to sort of make, make a go of it uh, after, you know, a year of, of being long distance. And so I'm here for four months uh, to see if we can do the like six months, six months between Morocco and Canada. So, yeah, that's that's why wow. I'm, it's not I'm not visiting. I'm like oh. living here. Yeah. Oh, cool. I thought I, I was like, I don't know if she, when I reached out, I was like, I don't know if she's doing a production or something. So I, I thought I'd ask, cause like, that's, that's a bucket oh. list place for me to go at some point, but interesting. So you made a film that I believe technically was released in 2020. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
Did it? Uh, in Canada, it was released in 2020, and in the U.S., it was 2021 on Shutter. Yeah, because that's that's where it. Uh, just to tell you my discovery of it, I I saw it pop up on Shutter. I mean, I watched Shutter. I'm not affiliated with Shutter at all, but if they're listening, let me know. Um, but no, not that uh, I know of. No, I, no, I was just saying Maybe that. They have you. ears somewhere. <laughs> well, I've had a few people, someone who've had films on Shutter, come on this show. But um, I popped up when it popped up. I was like, "All right, Slacks, a movie about killer pants," and <laughs> I'm like yeah i'm in but for some reason i didn't click play that night i mean you know i got every streaming service right now it's i I try to devote one night a week to a different streaming platform and um i I won't lie like i you know i was like all right i'm gonna watch it soon i put it off to the side and i forgot about it i'm sorry to admit this on the air and then i think it was someone in the genre i forget who tweeted about it and i was like oh yeah i gotta watch slacks shit (laughs) That's when I ended up popping it on one night and just the idea of a, a movie about killer pants, like, you know, people who don't get the genre, I think, see that and go, you know, what the hell is this? But me, I was sitting there going, I'm like, I bet she's got a really important message in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, you bet your ass I'm watching this. So um, just for the, the listeners you know, you made a film called Slacks about killer pants. Just kind of do like the log line or elevator pitch or quick synopsis. We'll touch on it in a little bit, but what's that? What's this movie about? Right. So Slacks is, it, as you said, it's about, uh, it's about killer pants, but it's really about the spirit um, or I shouldn't really give, give it away. It's, it tells the story of a, a young naive store clerk who goes to work to do a, a late night turnaround shift in a, sort of a trendy clothing store and then she realizes as the body count mounts that something else is is going on um and so she has to like uncover the the underbelly of the of the brand and and discover uh who the the actually the true villain is who which is not who you would think yeah so it's definitely like a a revenge uh a revenge slasher film with a message it's uh yeah it like once the uh once yeah we we shouldn't maybe spoil it just to get some more eyes on it i feel but uh even though it's been a big hit but yeah once the the real thing that kicks in what's going on i thought that was just genius how you know you and your team wove that into into that film it was awesome and i think that's why i i flock to genre films that have a outrageous kind of plot like that but uh, are really trying to say something meaningful about the world, which, you know, I think most film, most genre films are like that. But anyway, well, I just have some questions about Slack. So I'll get to that in a little bit. But usually when I have a guest on, I like to get a bit of their origin story. I mean, we're meeting for the first time and just kind of, you know, as a filmmaker myself, as a writer and whatnot, I, I, you know, I have a stack of movies behind me and over there off camera. Like, I just kind of want to know what your inspirations were, what, what got you the the film bug like let's just take me back to the beginning i guess i think it was actually back to the future um which came out when i was a kid and i watched it i don't know i was obsessed with it it was a combination of back to the future and star wars 
I just love those two films. I saw Back to the Future like 10 times and Star Wars so many times. I used to play Star Wars with my friends. I was like, I'm going to be Luke Skywalker. I don't want to be the princess. She doesn't do anything. <laughs> and uh, I just love the mythology element of, um, of uh, Star Wars. And I don't know, I, I was always an artistic kid. And when I was about 10 or 12, I decided that I really wanted to make films. Um, and so I dedicated, I've been dedicating everything to, to pretty much this moment. I mean, I've made other films obviously to get to Slacks, but Slacks is the first film where I've gotten some financing, some real you know, government financing and, and real recognition. So, I mean, I did the usual. I went to film school um, at Emerson College in Boston. I got rejected from there. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm from Massachusetts, so, but. Um, okay. <laughs> but I went in, uh, in the 90, late 90s. Um, and then I came back to Montreal. I'm from, I'm originally from Montreal. And I worked a lot in the film industry in Montreal. I got jobs as an assistant Um so that really gave me a good window into the film industry. And I, I was writing, I've been writing a script since I was about 15. So I was just writing, you know, these oddball scripts. And then uh, when I got back from college, I decided to make a zombie movie with uh, Patricia Gomez, the co-writer and co-producer of Slacks, because we, we were both genre fans. And we realized that if we made a zombie movie, it didn't really matter if it wasn't very good, that people would like it anyways, because it was like about a sexy zombie nurse. And that's really what got me started into genre. Before, I, I mean, I knew I liked it, but I I wasn't like, I'm going to make a genre films. I, I just wanted to make films. And there's the, the famous uh, Fantasia Film Festival in Montreal. So I would go every year, almost since the beginning, and just gorge on genre films. And, and that's it. You know, we made our first feature. And then I made a second feature, like a fantasy Bible epic, I call it, with no money. Um, and just kept writing and getting grants and working in film. And then luckily, we teamed up with Anne-Marie Genina, who was the producer of um, Turbo Kid so it was just really good timing that we're the script was ready slacks we, we'd come up with the idea for slacks in our early 20s when Patricia was still in um, living in Florida so it had been with us for you know I would think like 15 years we'd written a few drafts that weren't quite there and then finally um, we sort of got a spark of how to make the film finally work and then once the script got written we pitched it to Anne-Marie at Frontiers or we pitched it at Frontiers and Anne-Marie came up to us and she was like, oh my God, I love it. I want to be part of this. And then it, it just really tumbled together really quickly. The grant, uh, the grants in Canada was the right time. Like they'd finally realized that jar films, you know, were popular and that the whole like women in film thing, finally they realized that, oh, women aren't getting a fair shot at making films. And maybe this is a good combination of like jar women filmmakers so we just it was like the perfect storm because everyone's like how did the canadian government finance this film about killer pants i'm like but the yeah there was uh, sorry i didn't real quick um i there's like so many uh canadian like production titles in the opening credits i was like wow canada really got behind this <laughs> yeah 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 they did i mean the the part of it that had a social message i think really really uh interested especially the the quebec um funding agency which gives a, a really large part of uh of, of canadian well quebec films are funded in large part by this agency so if you if they're on board then the rest of the, the funding sort of uh comes 
rapidly together. And so, but they're more, uh, let's say there's a lot, not hoops, but they're very conscious of having to have a film that has like everything sealed tight. So the fact that, and they don't fund jar films that much. Um, so because this had a message, it was like the extra step that validated the, the funding for this film. Mm. So you've always been attracted to working in the genre is basically what you're kind of telling me. And no. I, I feel like I've had uh, guests on in the past that, you know, grew up, you just, you know, you dropped back to the future in star Wars and, you know, that's, that's not the first time I've heard that. And, um, and usually like those people who kind of grew up in that era, I mean, I, I grew up in the nineties, so I'm, I'm a little, I kind of got the last bit of taste of kind of like original ideas. It feels in, in films mm -hmm. sometimes. And I've always kind of noticed like a lot of people that work in genre films and, and make these kind of movies grew up in the seventies and eighties and, and whatnot, mm -hmm. because they got to see, you know, stuff like that stuff the original star Wars and whatnot, not the re-releases and George Lucas playing with stuff, but it's just something I've noticed. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, so since uh, we'll, that, that's a cool origin story. We will now touch on slacks. I'm really excited about this. You were kind of going into it a little bit, but just if there's anything you can elaborate on just the early development days of the movie, like how the nuts and bolts of it. Oh yeah, it's this is the best because it's totally insane. Um, so Patricia and I, as I said, uh, we were like, there's a junior college in Canada, in Quebec called CGEP. So it's between high school and, and university. So as I said, I went to university in the US, but I, I went to CGEP with a, a friend from high school who was friends with Patricia. So we met pretty early on when we were like 19 or something. And after Graveyard Alive, um, we were down in Florida. Down in Florida? Down in Florida? In Florabama. We were going to New Orleans. Ah, you didn't expect a Canadian to know about Floribama. Hey, I know, I know you, you, you guys, you guys and girls come down here in the winter months. I've talked, I remember sidebar here just, but I, I had a, I had a side job going to people's houses as a technician and, you know, a few years ago, side job. And, um, I put together like workout equipment and whatnot. It was weird, but I was paid well. And <laughs> just this like short, like guy with a temper comes up to me. And he's swearing about something and he has the thickest Canadian accent I've ever heard. He's like, let me fucking tell you about something. Like, and at first I'm like, are you Irish? Are you Scottish? And he's just like, no, I'm coming down from Quebec. And I was like, oh, really from Quebec? Yeah. He's just like, I'm down here five, six months out of the year. Sorry. I don't mean to do a Canadian accent really. Like someone in the States, That's maybe we shouldn't like a... do that, but. That sounds like uh, like from the from out east, like New Nova Scotia. They they sound mm. very uh, Scottish or Irish. Yeah, so maybe yeah, he true. Was, was mixed in. Newfoundland or I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> Continue. Hey, man, sorry. You know about the provinces? That's pretty good for an American. Oh, you're from Massachusetts, though. I I drove up uh, to Maine one time for a, a Lifetime movie that was shooting three weeks up there. This is like ten years ago, and. I, I was, I got lost. And next thing I know, I'm practically in, I think Nova Scotia or so I almost got to the Canadian border and had to turn around and drive like an hour back. But yeah, so I've been way out there before, but 
anyway, continue. Sorry, I cut you off. Very Oh, right, the road Florida. trips. <laughs> Florida. Oh my God. So uh, our we were teasing each other. We I was with Patricia and another friend about words we hated. Like I hate the word panties. You know how you're on a road trip with friends and it just gets really long. We're driving eight hours. So my friend being a little bitch was like panties, panties. So. I knew that she hated the word slacks. And so I was like, slacks, 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 slacks. And so with, with Patricia, we sort of looked at each other and we're like, that sounds like a pair of evil pants. And we we're like, yes, killer pants. So it really started like that. And the story was not at all, didn't have a social message. It was really just very silly about pants that kill teenage girls in a high school. Um, and so we knew it really, we tried to, write a draft it was okay but it didn't really go anywhere and then we wrote another draft set in a store because patricia worked in a store um and she had the idea she was like well it should be set in a store it's about pants i was like oh, of course so we wrote that draft and then we tried to get it financed but it wasn't really the right time and the script was okay but it was still it still didn't really have that social message and so cut to years later um I was like, you know what? I need to make another movie. Um, Slacks has always been a, a story that really attracts people. So I'm just going to buckle down and, and rewrite it. So with Patricia, we started, you know, uh, throwing ideas around. And then I watched this documentary called The True Cost about the true cost of fast fashion. And it really inspired me. It really jolted me. And it provided with a few of the items, like the influencer came from that. I had never heard about um, unboxing videos or fashion influencers. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it all gelled together. So it took like from, I think we came up with the idea in 2001 and rewrote the script. Uh, we rewrote the script in like 2016. 15 2016. years and so yeah, it's like a 20 year process like you were saying yeah almost almost but it was in really very small spurts it was it's a slasher movie so we weren't like oh how are we gonna make this deep you change this one line and then everything changes like I'm, I'm writing a script like that that i think i've written like 40 drafts of but um but it just it was take it's like the idea i knew where it had to go but we had to mature to get to where the idea needed to go basically yeah that's the origin story of slacks i I get it there's a time and a place for when a movie needs to like fully be made or fully at least be written i'm kind of in the same boat with just stuff i'm writing i've been at something for like six years and then i found like a i found like a social message i kind of needed to put in it because honestly Mm -hmm. it was just one of those character study movies about a guy and i'm just kind of like people have seen this shit before and then it still, it, this thing's still never been made. And I'm not close to getting it made, but I realized like literally over Thanksgiving, I needed to maybe switch it from a different perspective. And now what was the main character is now a supporting role. And it's now through the eyes of a teenage girl. So anyway, sorry. Um, uh, no, but so, that makes sense. That's art, right? Yeah, like, like there's things that I've been writing and then I had to put away for a long time. And then I was like, oh my God, it's this. Yeah, you know, but it's only by having like years away that you're able to to get detached from it enough to sort of realize what it really needs. Since you, like just real quick, I don't have this question written down, but since you're telling me a little bit about the writing process, like anything you can tell me about your writing process, one writer to another, any tidbits or knowledge? Yeah, 
I mean, it's uh, it's hard. Oh yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> even with slacks, which the the last draft came out really quickly, it still took like fifteen years to get there. Yeah. So you have to be really determined. You have to be patient with your idea. You have to be able to like let go of a lot of things. Um, I mean, the way I work is that I, I'll get like ideas in my mind, you know, visuals or just plot ideas or even sometimes titles or like a character will come and then I'll just let it sort of simmer until I have enough elements that I need to write down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I start to do a, a synopsis, um, just like a point form synopsis. And then once I think I've, once I start to get lost in the synopsis, then I move on to um, either writing the script. In my earlier days, I would just like sit down and, and write the script. Now, what I do is I, I put things up out on cards more. But there's a, it's tricky because I do feel sometimes you just need to write to get the ideas, to get the, the characters out speaking to you. And what you, you had thought of logically won't happen um, when you're writing. So it's really important to sort of follow your intuition. If you're really, you know, jonesing to write down this character and, and just start with that, you know, start writing the character just start any scene it doesn't have to be the beginning you can start at a scene that you really see in your mind and and if something's sort of like scratching at you like a cat trying to get in then then you need to write that um you need to just go with that and i now what i do is i also download a lot of images like if i can't quite visualize this the story um, then I know there's something that's not quite there. So I'll often do visual research. And then w- often when I have a lot of research, I can sort of imagine the film in my, in my mind. So, and then the rewrite process, I mean, it's brutal. You, you, you write something, you think it's awesome. And then you send it to people and they're like, this is shit, but maybe like this little bit is good. Um, and then you just need to plug away. But I think what's really important actually Sometimes is you need f- friends like that though, or people. Oh yeah. <laughs> One of my best friends who I, it turned out now he's, I'm writing with him. That's what, what started out our relationship was he would read my scripts and be like, this is crap. I think the kernel of the original idea is really important. Like if you have this one image in your mind or this one scene, usually that's for a real reason that you need to, to keep it. Maybe not as it is, but the, that kind of scene. Um, mm. And sometimes it's like a puzzle, you know, like you have all these pieces, you know, they're all important, but it's more about like putting them in the right order. Uh, so you have to, and there's key, key like I'm writing this uh, proposal now for a, a mini series, or I guess it's called limited series now, where it started off as a feature. And I'm, I really am hanging on to certain bits that I know are important. I'm not sure where, but I'm like, I know this thing is really important. So it just needs to find its place. You know, sometimes you need to know when something's important enough to hang on to it and when you need to let it go. So it's really intuitive. I mean, duh. <laughs> it's right. Yeah, no, I sometimes I do what is called the vomit draft, where I just yeah everything, I don't care if it makes sense or not. And then I have and 
those are obviously the ones I, you know, go back to and have to retweak. Well, I mean, everybody with every script, but yeah, I would say there's scripts that where I have the idea and I have to sit there with a, a little white notebook and while I'm watching whatever show me and my wife are watching, cause you know, all we're doing is working and sitting at home. She's my wife is like five, six months pregnant right now. Just thought I'd say that. Uh, <laughs> but so we're just kind of sitting on the couch and like, I'll be sitting there jotting stuff just for later. So when I can like do like an all out writing binge, um, yeah. and like, I don't know, like, I, I, I just think there's, forgot what I was going to say there. I don't know. I just, I read, um, on writing Stephen King's book. I like, I read that book once or yeah. I'm on like read, two read reads of it. And I love there, there's something at the tail end of it when he's talking about writing seminars and like getting into the zone and getting into the mood and listening to music and like drinking tea and coffee. And it's just like, just cut the fucking shit and do the work, man. <laughs> um, well, I have to say writing with music really helps. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I have like a playlist for each script that I, it's not, it's not something that I consciously do, but I'll like, I'm like, oh, there's this and that, that, and that I usually, usually stick to, but no, writing is hard. You just need to sit down and, and do it. And sometimes I don't want to write another draft of something, but I do and some, and it gets better. So, I mean, there is a point where you're over writing. So that's also tricky. Like what I usually do is I'll send the script to three people and at the point where all three have different notes, I know it's time to finish because it's when there's always the same problem that everyone mentions that I find there's, it's still problematic, but when it's, everyone has a different, it's just their opinion. Then I'm like, no, this is just your opinion. You're saying this because I asked you to read it and give me notes. They just want to be heard. Yeah. And fair enough. Sometimes I've had good notes from those um, sessions but then I know fundamentally it's 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 getting to the point where it's cooked you know but it's have, have it's, you ever gotten notes where it's just like well the, the person giving you notes is like well when I worked on this show or when I was doing this for this movie and they're like plugging stuff like stuff they no. were I got that one time and I was like oh you're just flexing on me man <laughs> but um not really uh i guess because i the people i know are in montreal and so they don't have that experience of working on like well-known stuff and the people who read english here are not in the in in the industry because in montreal the industry is in french so we're in a very weird sort of like no man's land like bermuda triangle of filmmaking in english uh speakers in montreal so you have to go to people who who once in a while we'll make a film that uh, aren't necessarily in the French language industry. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome sidebar. Thank you for that. Those tidbits. Uh, back to slacks. I heard, and I was doing a little research on you and on, on some other um, interview shows like this you were on. Uh, and I don't know if you said this at the top of the show, maybe you did, but so did you pitch this at Fantasia? Yeah. Fantasia has a co-production market. Uh, that's been going on for almost 10 years now it'll be 10 years next next year and uh, they had a, a women in horror pitch session so I Patricia and I were accepted so we had to we had to send the script and um, and send I don't know a lookbook or something and then we were accepted and we were among six teams to pitch 
at the market. So there was a room full of film industry types and, uh, and Anne-Marie was there and that's where she heard us pitch, which is, I think is great because I think a lot of women, maybe less so now, but certainly when I was coming up, have a hard time pitching. We have a hard time pitching ourselves and like elbowing and being like, hey, producer, you need to listen to this. I'm like the best. So I think we're more like, oh, you know, I have a little idea about killer pants. Can I just, you know, uh, and if you approach people like that more often than not, they'll be like, ah. You know, your idea might be awesome. So having like a pitch, a, a, a schedule pitch session is great for women because that means we don't need to try to get someone's attention. They have our attention. We have their attention undivided and then we just pitch and it's based on the strength of our pitch, not on our, our, our whether we can elbow each other at a cocktail party, which is so much of what the film industry is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, my pitching has been pretty much like this on zoom because of COVID, but you know, and cause I'm in Florida, but, um, so fast, I want to fast forward a little bit. Cause I know I'm on a little bit of a limited time with you, but, um, you get this thing greenlit into production and, you know, I- I'm watching the first time I'm watching it and I'm looking at the store and everything like was this on a sound stage or did you guys like find some store that you got for I don't know a week or did it work on overnights there or something yeah no the store no it wasn't on a stage it was an, uh, an empty store in a in a mall in like a strip mall yeah okay. so, so just the front though that so we were there for I think two weeks or ten well two weeks ten days um, and it was completely empty, luckily. So we we redid everything from scratch. The only thing that existed was the floor, <laughs> basically. Um, and then the back store was in a mall. Um, all the corridors, all the, the office spaces and all that. And that we had to work all overnight, which was really brutal. And then the warehouse uh, was in an existing warehouse they I don't know what they sold curtains or something and so we had to work also overnight because they were in operation during the day so we had two weeks of nights which was pretty brutal and then the like the India um, shoot was in the summer it was uh, in Montreal in a straw in a raspberry field outside of Montreal yeah cool Uh, so I want to talk about the the jeans and um the the main focus of the yeah the, the at the forefront of the movie the the killer jeans um i i know i'm i'm speaking i'm trying to convey to the audience that hasn't seen it but like because i kind of get the technical side of maybe how you did it because it isn't there like a little video in the credits yeah with the uh, but um like how did you make these killer jeans look so believable i must say to the viewer because <laughs> they really were like well it was totally in camera i love in camera yeah. design which or, uh, affects maybe it's because i'm a child of the 80s um so we basically found a pair of pants and we had a special effects company and they did a lot of trial and error to see how they could manipulate the pants so we, we knew we wanted to make it into a sort of a puppet and so they came up with this rig system that would clasp onto the puppeteer. So she was dressed in a green suit. And this is only when the pants walked towards the camera. 
Um, so the pants were attached to her at her articulation. So when she walked, the pants looked like they walked and then we just removed her. Um, and then depending if it was like a close up shot or if the pants were crawling, we had all different rigs, but it was all done in camera with, with sort of poles attached. And then the, the puppeteers, sometimes there were more, there were three, maybe at three or four at one time, depending on the, the effect. Um, we just wore green spandex suits and then and they were removed in, uh, in post. So it was pretty simple, um, but it was a bit stressful because we had to get the performance, the pet performance, right? In the a limited dance. time. It was hard to, you know, she was a professional puppeteer, but still not, neither of us had worked with pants before. And so sometimes I was like, I'm, it's not, it doesn't look angry. How do you make it look angry? And she's like, she would try different things. And I was like, yes. So, so it was sort of mad, but I'm glad we did it. And I wanted the actors to be able to, to have the pants to interact with because the pants are a character. And uh, I mean, I understand actors are, they imagine for a living. So I'm sure they could have done it without, but I thought it would be really interesting for them to interact literally with the pants at times. So with what you, I mean, I know, I know you didn't really want to say any spoilers or anything. Cause I think there's a really good twist to why we have a like set of spoiler alerts. Okay. Thank you. Cause I haven't had to be in that situation on this show in a while. Spoiler alert for coming up right now for um, this movie. If you haven't seen Slack's, Go on Shutter and watch it. Uh, if you don't have Shutter and you like horror movies, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. Uh, you should have it by now. But um, if you want to see it, you know Shutter has like a free thirty day trial. Just log on, watch Slacks, and I don't know, figure it out from there. Spoiler alert: Let's talk about the twist in um, that the reason why there's a pair of killer pants walking around. Um, go ahead. Right. So, um, well, it came really at the last draft. Uh, partly, I mean, I'd, I'd done a lot of research even for the second draft, um, visual research, and I'd seen a lot of images of children picking cotton in, uh, in India, among other places. And that had always really struck me because you would see these little kids who are, you know, no, no bigger than the cotton plants. And sometimes just looking at their faces uh, was very upsetting. And so when I watched the, the True Casa documentary, I, I immediately th thought back of the images of those kids. And I thought, well, if I was a pair of pants, if I was, <laughs> if I was a child who had been forced to work and some of them I'm sure die, uh, depending on what happens to them, um, then I would come back and want to fucking kill everyone who, <laughs> who bought my pants. <laughs> And so that's how it came up. It's it's the avenging angel subplot, you know. I'd be like, motherfuckers, I'm gonna fucking come and rip you to shreds. So you're, I just want to say in. this: your reaction to how you described that, like, perfectly sums up the movie because it's a horror comedy. What, yeah. if I'm okay with saying that? But yeah, a horror comedy. A lot of people say it's hard to do, and I I do think it's hard to do. I mean, I've seen horror it's comedies completely fall on their face and but the thing about it is like just how you're describing you know seeing the images of these sweatshops and whatnot um and just like you know how kind of serious that is and then going like 
yeah, if I was a ghost, I'd come back and want to fuck these people up. That's exactly how the movie is. Because when you cut back to, um, you know, the, this, the scenes with the, the girl in the field, yeah. it's very well. It, I mean, yeah, of course it's very well done, but it was like very artistic and just felt like an oh. art film. And then all of a sudden I'm in this, I'm in this retail store, which is hell because I used to work in retail and I, 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 some of those characters in there, like that asshole manager, um, who's great in it. Like I've worked for that guy before. It's just such a good contrast that just, this isn't really a question. It's just a compliment. I just thought it worked so well. Anyhow. Thanks. I mean, horror comedy is hard, but I knew, I mean, I just, I wasn't like, Ooh, I'm going to make a horror comedy. It's like, it's a movie about killer pants called slacks. How can it not be a horror comedy, you know, but someone in Quebec described it as a horrific satire, which I think is more accurate because it's not ha ha. It is ha ha. There's funny bits, but it's not like, you know, and it's not horror in the sense that you're not really scared. You're more disturbed. So it took us a long time in editing to get the tone right because it also looked very sleek, which was my intention. So it didn't look like a campy. It's about oh, killer pants. It's so loopy and crazy. So it looked good. So we were like, wait, we have this thing with like really great performances, this great look, and the tone. We had to work so hard with the editor to get the tone right between the like weirdness of the pants, the like disturbing scenes, the gore scenes. And then the comedy or the the satire, and so and so yeah, I guess I'm diverging because you wanted to talk about the the poor Kirat uh, character, but mm. I think in a way, if you're gonna tell, talk about killer pants, like <laughs> it can't be serious, but it is serious, and so the best way is to make people laugh and then gross them out all all at once, and so that forces them to like have a breach in their mind. Um, so that they can consider, you know, the message without us, me, without feeling like they're being hit on the head with a message, like with a message. Have you ever, and this movie is not really like yours at all, because uh, you just mentioned like not making it campy and this movie's kind of campy, but there's still kind of a social underlying. Have you ever seen uh, The Stuff by Larry Cohen? Yes. That was the first movie that popped into my head. Or is it eating you? (laughs) I love this stuff. That was the first movie that popped into my head once I was done with it. I was like, you know, I mean, I know the the stuff is very, uh, I think that's on Shutter right now too. Um, The stuff is very, it's it's campy, but like there's a commentary of like consumerism of the 1980s. At least that's what the late, great Larry Cohen said. And I thought, you know, I just, once the credits rolled on your movie and I was just like, ah, it's another great horror film with just a great social message. And I just, I don't know. I just saw you did a bang up job and I guess I just want to say thank you for making one of my favorite films of this year. Oh, thanks. That's great. It's always nice to hear. I didn't know how slacks would turn out. I mean, I I was like, I hope this works. Well, yeah, like, I, mean, no, I knew it with, was gonna something was gonna work, but I didn't know how. You know, it's so crazy. Yeah, um, I mean, I've mentioned Shutter a few times, and I've had uh, guests from Shutter on the show or filmmakers from there who have their films on there. Um, just talk to me real quick, like, what's it like? You know, I, is it an original or an exclusive when they acquired it? It's an original. 
talk about all right cool cool (laughs) talk about uh just what's it like you know getting shutter involved you know what's that all like oh it was great i mean i wasn't involved personally in getting them involved it was through Anne marie and our executive producer shaket berenson um they got them involved at the financing stage um, or late financing stage and so when we we heard they were on board we were really excited because i'd heard about shutter starting like i guess a year or two before and i didn't realize the the how it had grown how big it was when i had first went on it it was you know it was quite limited and so when i went back and realized what it had become i was really really thrilled and the they handled the release amazingly. We had so much press for it. It was so well, uh, well handled, you know, and then they did a mini, well, this was for the DVD, um, but, but for the main release, it was really, really great. You know, like we got so many reviews, we ended up on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, getting a fresh rating. I got the tomato in my house. <laughs> so they give you a physical one? No, well, it's like a, it's a plaque. It's made out of plexiglass with a little tomato. Oh, okay. I'm not at that level yet. So. <laughs> That's well, pretty it's not cool. a real tomato. I wish, I wish. I wish it was like the attack of the killer tomatoes. Like, I wish it was like a plush toy or something. <laughs> you would press it and it would sing, puberty, puberty love. Oh, man. So, no, Shutter was, was great. The folks there were really, were really nice to work with. Cool. No, I'm happy to hear. Well, I mean, that's all I got for you. That, like, again, if you guys really want to see a fun movie with a great message, get Shutter. Go check out Slacks. I'm sorry it took me like six months to see it. And that's why I, <laughs> that's why once it stopped, I was like, I'm gonna see if I can uh, track this director down, and uh, I don't know, see about getting her on the show. But um, Elza, thank you for a great show. This was awesome. Oh, thank this was you. A lot of fun. Um, I know you got some other stuff lined up coming up, so I wanted to get you out of here at a decent time. But uh, as for all of you, you being the the listener, (laughs) uh, leave a rating and leave a review if you liked what you heard, yada, yada, yada. You know the routine. I've been doing this for six months now. I really got to work on my outro. Uh, Take care. See you next week on The Basement.